From our headquarters in New York City, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. I hope you'll join me. This podcast has been sponsored by Fuego. Discover the workspaces and business tools powering exceptional excellence in interior design. Fuego's 18,000-square-foot Park Avenue studio includes beautiful workspaces and material and product samples from thousands of top A&D vendors in the world's largest lending material library. Now available to interior designers everywhere, Fuego's modern project management software was tailored to solve the business needs of groundbreaking designers at Fuego Studio. Visit FuegoStudio.com to book a tour. That's F-U-I-G-O Studio. Dot com. And now, on with the show. My guest this week is Jonathan Adler, potterer, retail mogul. Jonathan, so nice to have you here. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. The office was pretty excited about your arrival, so you have a lot of fans in-house. Oh, well, the office, everybody there is so super cute and millennial <laughs> and yes. like... Smart seeming. I kind of want yes. to just move right in. Are you accepting internship applications? Well, I think you'd fit right in here at the business of home. It so felt like home, right? Yeah, totes. Yeah. Although I, I feel like it needs a little bit more joy in our office, so we're going to have you work on on that. There for could us. be a few. I could. There were some accessory opportunities that I spotted with yes. my eagle eye. Yes. Yes. So, as you and I were just talking about, I want to quickly tell people your origin story because I feel like so much of what we're going to get to comes from you being a potterer. It's sort of the, the heart and soul of who you are and what you are. It is. It's like, it's funny. I'm, so I'm a hundred thousand years old. I couldn't possibly <laughs> and yet be you older. Look it at I know. All. Well, you know what? I'm, so I'm 52. I think I look like I'm about Third, I look like I'm a poorly preserved 51, but I feel like I'm a 97-year-old woman with osteoporosis. Stop it. No, it's true. Actually, I keeping it real, I, I, look, I look good for my age, but my joints are broken AF, and that's probably <laughs> largely due to being a potter. But Because, that, but, because it's rough, right? It's hard work being a potter. They bro, make it look so easy it is in some, Ghost, but it's really... That is some backbreaking <laughs> ass labor. But my point about um, saying how old I am and how long I've been at it is yes. that it's so funny. Whenever people want to talk to me about what I do, even though I couldn't be older, everyone's like, so let's you know walk through your journey from the beginning. And I'm like, bro, right. how much longer? Oh, bro, like, I can't I'm do so, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my journey is so very long ago and yes. seems like such a distant memory. But right. Okay. But, so I'll zoom through it. Zoom through it. All right. I'm going to keep want. this super zoomy. This is the so I can... Reader's Digest condensed version. Yeah, of... just because I feel like there's so many things that are happening to me today and that are happening in the world today that are actually more interesting than my origin. But I'll tell you quickly. Exactly. That's so, what I want to get to. Yeah. So Started shoot. as a potter 25 years ago um, with no sense of business whatsoever and... Um, was just unemployed, desperate for some shekels, desperate for something to do, and desperate to express myself. And um, luckily got an order from Barney's and filled the order, didn't know what an invoice was, and eventually built a cottage industry. Um, And then after about five years as a full-time potter building this sort of very, very um, ratchet cottage industry that was I, I the the business side of it was pretty ratchet the product was really fantastic i was sort of selling to the most 
couture um, emporia in our planet. Right. Um, and then I got a workshop to make stuff for me. And then over the in the ensuing years, I've built a business in which I have um, 17 retail stores and extensive interior design projects and millions and zillions and squillions of employees, <laughs> most of whom I love. Okay. Um, Ooh, so and, there's some we don't. So that's interesting. Yeah, a little, you know, a little yeah. shady and salty. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, yeah, and there's a lot going on in my world and life, and that's yes. my origin story. Right. Okay, right. So... So, so pottery is at the, as we said, is at the heart of, of everything that you are and, and what you've become. And, and do you still get to, to work with, with clay? Yes, yes. I'm in the studio all the time. I work in white clay and I wear white jeans. So when I have clay on my pants, you can't even tell. And I'm just always in there. That's very smart. And yeah. white jeans is a signature look for you. It is my signature look. Yes. And I got to tell you, it's, um, there's pluses and minuses to that. I saw a guy in my office today who... Um, was wearing these really nifty black pants, and I he looked great, and I was just so totes jelly because <laughs> I've backed myself into a corner with a signature outfit. <laughs> okay, so you've always described yourself as totally unemployable, right? Sort of jokingly, you said, oh, you know, I, I had a job when I got out of school. We should point out, first of all, went to Brown, you're, you're very smart, highly educated guy. I don't know why you thought you were so unemployable, but... Um, I was unemployable due to um, my work ethic and character in my youth, <laughs> both of which have both of which have soared since. But you know, yes. in my in my youth, I was um, I had a very poor work ethic and very very loose morals. Um, not not morals in the sense of like theft, but um, no, I no, you know, I, know. I threw it about a bit. Yes, you might have right. You might have been sleeping in the around office. A yeah, I was sleeping bit around in the, the office. office. You know, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. So, but that's actually where I want to jump off because, <laughs> interestingly, you you say that you you didn't have a, a a good work strong work ethic, but interestingly, when the break with Barney's comes for you, <clears throat> you come to life. As a, as a business person? I came to life as, a, as an artistic person. Okay. I very much did not come to life as a business person. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think I have ever come to life <laughs> as a business person. I, it sounds, you know, I think that um, what I'm going to say will sound a little um, twee and, and insincere, but I actually mean it. All I really care about is making shit. Like, that's what I care about. Okay. To me, the business side of what I do has purely been a means to an end. Um, and I've been very, very lucky. I have a, I've built a business in which, you know, I've, been, I've made plenty of, she- plenty of shekels. And, you know, I have a very privileged life. And that's all fantastic. Right. But um, I still um, live and die based on the quality of what I make and my own personal um, assessment of the success of something I make. And okay. again, it sounds, you know, it sounds sort of virtuous, but I truly mean it. Wow. Okay. So, so you didn't become a business person, but you became, it sounds like a, a much more responsible and conscientious person. Can we I, put it that way? I'm <laughs> extraordinarily conscientious and responsible, like exceptionally. Right. Um, and and again, though, it's, it didn't come out of like sort of a sense of venality or, or, or actually a real knack for business. The business, uh, the business acumen that I have developed, again, has been in service of like a creative impulse. 
And yeah, I'm extremely hardworking, extremely conscientious and conscientious and reliable. I think when I was um when I was young, I felt this sense of desperation. I think being being unemployed and unemployable and um you know, kind of kind of being a bit of a failure left me with this sense of desperation. So I still every day I appreciate um every opportunity I have, I really truly appreciate when somebody actually buys my shit. Like that's <laughs> really nice. There are a lot of choices in the right. world. And when someone, and my stuff is not, it's not, it's not that easy. You know, it's not dirt cheap and it's, you know, often it's, um, I hope I make stuff that isn't necessarily challenging, but that sort of is, has a strength to it. And so I recognize that, you know, it, it's, meaningful when someone actually um, opens their handbag and buys my stuff. So, yeah, I've always just been kind of desperate. I can't even remember the... <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the question. Just well, no, well, desperate. So, right. Okay. So, and, and that's actually how you've always sort of described what kept you going in the beginning, was that you realized, I'm, I'm desperate. I, I can't hold down a regular job, or so you say, because you were so busy schnogging all day, yeah. co-workers, and whatever, right? Um, so when when your breaks came, you took advantage of them, mm-hmm. and 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 you joke. You, I mean, it wasn't a joke at the time. You really didn't know what an invoice was when mm-hmm. when they needed an invoice from you. But you went and learned, as you seem to have done every step along the way. You seem to have gone out and learned what you needed to to learn, right? To sort of take advantage of the next opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I've as I said, I've I've been at it a long time. I've learned very gradually. You know, I have not. I didn't come into this with a tremendous amount of knowledge about business, and I have just learned along the way. And it's it's mostly common sense, right? Um, yeah. So so let's go through the the, the timeline a little bit because I want to get to things that are going on today for sure. you because you've got some some really big things going on. When did the 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 retail part of the business? start to start to really grow and and expand for you you've got 17 stores now right when yeah. did that start to, to really grow because it was the early 90s when you had your first um sh- well I, I start so I, I started I got an order from Barney's I guess in 93 or 94 and then right. I um opened my first shop in Soho in 98 and but I I've kind of been opening them gradually and opened a bunch in the last couple of years um you know, retail, as you can imagine, is in a state of flux, as is the world. It's yeah. been an extremely disrupted industry. Um, some of the sort of business paradigms that held true a few years ago have definitely changed. Like about five years ago, every brand or design company, all they were doing was saying, where can I open a store? Where can I open a store? And now the same brands are all saying, what stores can I close? What stores can I close? So it's like, you know, and that's the, that's the nature of life. It's like one needs to constantly assess and reassess and be nimble. Um, and I'm in a, I'm always trying to be nimble. Um, and I'm nimbling at the moment. Okay. So you're, so you yourself are trying to figure out where, where do I need to be? Do all these stores need to exist? Exactly. It's, I think one has to constantly assess it and sort of say, all right, I opened all these stores. Is that still a relevant business model and if so you know the answer will be that it will be a relevant business model in some locations and not in others Mm -hmm. you know there's still uh places where i should have retail stores but i think that not that i was indiscriminate but i think the the 
industry had this sort of indiscriminate store opening period that is that's very much changing and it's sort of you know the retail real estate bubble is kind of bursting yes no and no will and will find its level i suppose you know the market will find its level and there'll be for a while landlords were greedy for you know sometimes ten, you know it's always up and down and in right. flux and um right now it's in a very volatile moment it's in a volatile moment totes and and so how is that playing out for you in your business i well i'm trying to really figure out which stores are um are really important and re you know as a as a designer, retailer, whatever the hell I am, I need to sort of be <laughs> available to everybody at all times. So, right. you know, retail works with web and web works with retail and people can be in their store shopping on the phone. So it's all it's all kind of one big package. One just needs to be very, very analytical. So historically, what was driving your decisions to expand in retail? So what, so what led to each store sort of being opened along the way for you? The delightful thing about my career has been that the bigger my business gets, the more stuff I get to make. Um, and that's what I truly care about. And the reality is that the more stores I have, the more points of distribution, the more able I am to work with manufacturers who might have minimums that they insist upon. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I need to have a, have outlets to sell something. So like, you know, if I'm making a lamp and the minimum is a hundred, um, I got to be able to hawk those hundred. And so, the more points of distribution, the better. So that that's what drives it. I know I sound Pollyanna-ish and sweet, and I'm I'm anything but <laughs> those things. However, um, career-wise, I I really want to continue to make stuff. And so, the bigger my business gets, the more stuff I get to make. Right. So that's really what it's all, all about for you. Totally. Okay. So so the, the, the big thing that's come along for you recently, and, and I think maybe you've been working on this for the past year or, or so, is, is, is Now House, right? With, with Amazon? Yes. So now House by so, Jonathan Adler, exclusively so, on Amazon. Yes. Um, <laughs> which, which, is, which is really exciting. And so, so tell us about that. It's so exciting. About a year ago, Amazon came to me. Uh, they were wanting to do a partnership with a home brand and they came to moi which was very (laughs) flattering and exciting and um, of course I leapt at the opportunity because I've spent so goddamn much money on Amazon I was (laughs) desperate to like claw back a bit for my own self so it felt like I was um creating balance in the planet by taking some money back from Amazon and also because obviously what they've done has been incredible epic noteworthy disruptive um and inescapable so i want the opportunity to reach people um where they are where they shop and of course they shop on amazon right and as a creative person i also saw the opportunity to create an entire new look world brand that still was a definite reflection of me but perhaps a slightly different reflection of me you know, some like my own, my own like Jonathan Adler stuff is perhaps a bit more outre, um, more expensive, more right. couture. But you know, the Amazon stuff is better than stuff. It's fantastic. It's really great. It's just a different. It's like a kind of younger sensibility, a more attractive price point, and it's really cool. I have a lot of it, and I love it. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit about the about the process. So they reached out to you. They said, "Hey, we love what you do. We love who you are, and we want to partner with you." And then what happens next? Well. <laughs> well, <laughs> what happens next? I can either just, you know, for the purpose of the podcast, be like, and then you chat and you work it out, oh, and blah, 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 and then so you make some easy, stuff. And they were great. But, yeah, it's easy. They were great. But no, the reality is that um, when one enters into a business relationship like this, it's extremely complicated. There's squillions of negotiations and issues and um, operational challenges, and absolutely nothing is as simple as it appears. Um, no complaint, just keeping no, it sure. 100. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, there's sort of the <laughs> the teams of people involved in figuring out um, how to meet the right standards and get things to the right price point and get the right volume and working with the Amazon team. It's it's fascinating. and I've, I've enjoyed it tremendously. Sure. It's been like an ex- a really, really exciting and fun and creative process. But as you can imagine, or perhaps not, it's very, very complicated. I, I can certainly imagine, and I'm sure that it was the business school education you never wanted. But. <laughs> Totes. Well, I, and I think that I, because this is a business of home podcast, I'm, right. I'm keeping it 100 about the business stuff just because I think that when people who are interested in these kind of things often don't understand or realize what goes into things um, in terms of manpower, finances, thought, um, operations, logistics, like... It everything kind of seems cute and uh, simple, but nothing is. Yeah, nothing is. Right. Well, and so you've done a masterful job along the way of making it all look simple and easy, as if it was all just pouring out of you, and it all came easily. So, so I mean, share with us some of the some of the challenges along the way. Yeah, well, again, I'm just being honest here because yeah. I assume your listeners um, are interested in the business side of it. So I'm, exactly. keep, so I'm keeping it 100. But yeah, of but course, I, I try that. to. Of course, I try to keep my. You know, I I want my stuff to feel effortless. I want my stuff to feel like it had always just been there. You know, I think that I think that when design is really really good, it looks like it was uncovered rather than created. Right. Um, so it should have an effortless feel and insouciance. And it's funny, my husband, Simon Doonan, is a brilliant writer. He's English and has a very English voice. And I think his voice is extremely witty and very, very chatty and conversational. Right. And so his his writing seems like it was just sort of thrown off, like you feel like you're in a room with him. Yeah. But if you, know, if you could see the, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes How into... How he labors over that, too. Yes, to, yes. Create, to create a chatty conversational voice is like I think it's the hardest voice to have as a writer and so you know I think that the corollary applies to my work we're both in very similar creative positions um what was my what was the <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> well, so I so let me stay with Simon for for a moment sure. though because you two seem to have and Simon's amazing you seem to have this this incredible partnership obviously this very long-term relationship and and married in 2008 yes and yep. uh, but you've been together for 20 24 years, years. 24 years yeah so it, it it seems as if he's a very supportive and and inspirational partner for you it is funny because Slyman, as i call him among <laughs> other things and i have been together forever we're very much aligned i think in as <laughs> in as much as people 
think about us, which is probably not enough. I think people should think about us even <laughs> Way more. Way more than um, they are. Yeah, they should <laughs> constantly be thinking <laughs> right. about us. What However, else are they thinking about? Honestly, I know, right? Like, right? I don't really get it. I'm, I'm thinking a- about us all the time, so I don't know what everybody else yeah, is thinking about. Come on. Um, but it is funny. I think people, in as much as they think about us, want us to be this, like, supportive, inspirational, like, you know, couple there for each other. We oh, no, don't our- shatter my illusions about no, that, too, we're just, now. we're just... Like, we're basically just kind of one person at this point. We've been together forever. Of course. It's like, of course. you know, we're just, I don't know. We just have a very, very shared worldview, sensibility, yes. point of view. Um, and But mostly we're just like any old married, idiotic couple bickering over the remote control and fighting over who made the last cup of tea. Um, he is, of course, a creative a genius. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's his professional life at home he's just you know that guy on the sofa next to me watching telly (laughs) the sofa which you're constantly changing out as you use home as sort of a little creative space for you bro my poor actually i I buried the lead about simon (laughs) he's a very very poor long-suffering husband who um comes home to a new decorating scheme on the daily as i anti-mame my way through life and he's in that sense he's very long-suffering it's a new sofa every day yeah. Yes, and I Yikes. can imagine that that's not that's not oh, easy God. for it's him. Not, and you're... No. <laughs> yes, well, he's 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 very patient and uh, and and as you say, long suffering. But uh, you guys have a great relationship, and yes. I yes, and yes, I know yes. that he has pushed you along at at, at various times in your career. Yeah, and, per- and actually, right, and perhaps stretched you. Yeah, and actually, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to come out and say that actually we're more than just a couple. We actually are members of a thruple. Um, oh. and the, so that you're hearing this first, okay. um, the third member of our relationship is our mutt Foxy lady, who is a gorgeous 12 pound, um, little rescue dog who is oh. really oh. the anchor of our throuple. Right. Okay. So you're so a, now so I'm, you're officially declaring you're a throuple. I'm officially declaring myself a throuple. This is big thruple. and we're breaking it on business of home. Breaking today. I, and wow. you know, I'm really hoping with now that we won marriage equality for, um, gay people, I'm really hoping that soon the state and the, everyone will recognize, um, our romantic partnership i i sensed in the in the recent midterm elections that, that people were really open to those kind of ideas i, <laughs> I think that's where we're heading right yeah yes. totes. yeah that was totally the vibe i got from, I so. from the turnout anyway i'm optimistic yeah are you optimistic about the business conditions in in general it's a, so i mean i don't want to get bogged down in politics no it's, of course um, but it's you know it's i've of course as a business person who manufactures stuff in america abroad all over I um, recognize a lot of the challenges on every which side. Yeah, it's a the sort of you know I'm dealing with tariff issues as we speak. I, yeah, before I came here, I was like in sort of a not, I won't say crisis meeting, but sort of like you know, an intense meeting trying to figure out our how we're going to deal with the tariff issues. And you know, we'll see. It's just another thing that's happening. Um, but but it's very real, right? Oh, it's, I mean, it's, I'm like on it, the front lines of this shit. It's but here. conversely, yeah. I'm also. You know, I also deal with American manufacturing and see how the ways in which American manufacturing has been hollowed out. I come from a farm and factory town. Right. Uh, from my, my childhood was sort of a, um, you know, I grew up in a town that was really like a farming and factory town that was decimated by the downturn in American produ- production and mm-hmm. manufacturing. So, you know, I've seen I've seen it all. And I, um, whatever happens, I'm always 
always thrilled that I live here in America right. and um, you know I'm just trying to figure it out on the daily yeah that's the truth yeah. but but it does feel like a much more challenging environment right right now than it's been for a while I mean it's I would say that there have just been so many disruptions, just to use that trendy mm-hmm. business word. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my business experience, my experience of having a company for 25 years has just been that I kind of try to um, stay on a steady path and constantly I'm just getting, like, um, socked in the face when I least expect it. So yeah. I've been through a lot of Michigas over the years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've sort of learned to not get it twisted and just try to stay steady and kind of deal with things as they come up. So the question that you had forgotten earlier that we were talking about was mm-hmm. was sort of, you know, and you were and you were great about sort of wanting to keep it very as you say 100% mm-hmm. about the about the challenges of really growing a business. So we were talking about the fact that you've you've made it seem effortless and kind of magical in the way all this joy just pours on out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But but that really uh, along the way, I know there have been a, a, a lot of challenges, and, and some things worked and some things didn't, right? And I mean, yeah, well my 96-year-old grandmother um who she died like 20 years ago, but she said, um, I remember her saying to me, she said, when I was, you know, I can't believe it. When I was um, growing up, I imagined that if I became an old lady, I'd be like Whistler's mother, just kind of sitting there in Afghan on my lap, just content and placid. And she said, but you know what? The Mishigas never stops. And Mishigas, of course, is the Yiddish word for craziness. And um, that's true. The Mishigas never stops. Again, I can't remember what you were asking me, but I know I had a... I know but I'm glad we I, covered your grandmother. That, I, yes, but yes. I know that I answered she your seems, question. She seems like a very wise woman. What the, you said so, yeah, so, there's okay. always just Mishigas. There's yes, a million... There's Mishigas. There's, there's Mishigas there's always. There's things going There's on. a million things, and I've been, okay. through, I've been through a billion different iterations yes. of Mishigas yes. and just kind of tried to stay steady. And in a right. funny way, um, you know, I'm not a parent, but... I imagine that in in a funny way, being a business owner is not dissimilar from being a parent in that you have these responsibilities, all kinds of craziness comes at you and you need to sort of be steady and responsible and deal with the stuff as it comes up. And and again, I sound deeper and more philosophical than I am, but I'm, you know, that's the truth. No, but you seem, you seem more burdened about it (laughs) than than when I normally see you. Uh So... So I feel like thing, things seem like they're they're weighing on you more than than usual. Would you would you say that's fair? Uh, well, I would say that um, are things weighing on me? Um, no, I think I think that the reason <laughs> I think things are always I'm I'm always um, two things simultaneously. Okay. I'm on the one hand, I am a very 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 positive, upbeat. Um, I hope extraordinarily creative, yes. free thinking, um, kind of glib and optimistic person who's like delights in and engages in the possibilities of life. Right. And then I am also always and authentically a brooding, analytical, <laughs> self-critical, um, doom doomsday naysayer who thinks okay. who's skeptical and thinks things will never work out. Right. Um, and. You know, perhaps you're catching me more in a moment of the latter, but they, but those two sides of me are always um, okay. completely present. They're always there. Yeah, and I've okay. I've said this before in another podcast, but I'll but I'll say it 
again, it's funny. My husband calls me Ariana Kafka because he says that <laughs> he calls the sort of glib, upbeat side of me like Ariana Grande, sort of a right. know, fizzy pop princess. And the brooding analytical side is Kafka-esque. So he says I'm like Ariana Kafka. And that's exactly who I am. And I think the um, I think that's an essential combination to be successful in any creative endeavor because one needs to be creative and free thinking and open-minded and then one needs to be analytical in order to make your creative idea come to life in in as good a way as possible. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back. Discover the workspaces and business tools powering exceptional excellence in interior design. Fuego's 18,000-square-foot Park Avenue studio includes beautiful workspaces and material and product samples from thousands of top A&D vendors in the world's largest lending material library. Now available to interior designers everywhere, Fuego's modern project management software was tailored to solve the business needs of groundbreaking designers at Fuego Studio. Visit FuegoStudio.com to book a tour. That's F-U-I-G-O Studio. Dot com. And now, on with the show. So, let's talk about how you divide your time and your, and your various efforts and, and creative endeavors. So, you, you have the, the retail shops, which we've, which we've talked about, and you, and you love getting to, to make sort of more and more product, right, so mm-hmm. that you can share. You're also an interior designer. And how many projects or how much time is taken up with being an interior designer these days for you? Um, We always have a few projects on the go, commercial, residential. We're working on a um, big hotel in Dubai right now and um, finishing up some residential stuff. So there's always a few things on the go. My true focus, though, is on designing product. Like, I think that I I hope my interiors are um, sublime and iconic and fantastic and memorable that's my certainly my goal but I hope that I hope that and I think that at the when I'm about to kick the bucket um, I will probably look back on my product design um, as my real oeuvre okay I think that's you know and when I think of myself I think of myself as a potter product designer and of course interiors are part of what I do but my real focus is on making stuff okay so are, are interiors something that you got to do because people sort of sought you out and really liked your aesthetic and and yes, yes. yeah no okay. I never went into this well I never went into this with any plan to do anything quite frankly and and I think interiors are just one other uh, format for creativity which is again what I've always wanted my career to be about so I say yes to everything, and when people ask me to design an interior, of course I say yes because I'm thrilled because it's a fun design challenge. Um, and yeah, I just say yes, and I want to design and make more stuff always. That I have a limitless hunger to make stuff. The early break came for you. We talked about Barney's, of course, but there was also the Pottery Barn order, right? Which which yes. gave you some some of the seed money you needed to to really start Tell yeah me about that was that. so I as I mentioned was a full-time potter making everything myself and then after years of backbreaking labor I realized that making everything myself was really an impediment to creativity 
Um, ironically, because even though I was, of course, making stuff, I wasn't really able to make a tremendously diverse body of work because I had to make it all myself. So I found a workshop in Peru uh, that could help me make my stuff, and I got an order from Pottery Barn, and um, suddenly it kind of gave me some shekels and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some freedom, and all both of both in very limited supply, <laughs> not a lot of shekels, not a lot of freedom, <laughs> but uh, enough for me to kind of feel a little less desperate. And I opened a store with with the money I got from that order, and yeah, that happened. Okay, so that was that was really the beginning. That was one of the. I would say, as I look at my career, I can certainly point to a few pivotal moments that have been inflection points. Mm-hmm. And opening a store was one of them. Finding my first workshop. In Peru was one of them. Right. Um, yeah, there have been a bunch along the way. Well, so so tell me what you think some of the other sort of significant turning points are for you. Um, when my friend asked me to design her uh, her house on Shelter Island, that was sort of a big right. turning point. Um, I think, you know, getting an order from Barney's. Um, what else? I mean, there have been – there's probably been like – 40 turning points yeah. I can point to, but, yeah. but that few, you know, like one, I think one turning point was like designing my muse pottery collection was mm-hmm. kind of a turning point. You know, there've been creative moments that have been um, really meaningful leaps forward. Well, so when you started to expand the, the retail stores, what was the, what was the idea behind the stores? What, what, what did you want the stores to be all about for people that were coming to them and, and, and people that would be shopping there? That's a great question. And um, again, on the business tip, we've always tried to kind of come up with some sort of brand statements that express right. who we are, what we're trying to do. And those statements have evolved over the years. The current, we say um, modern American glamour. I think that mm-hmm. captures the spirit of what I do. But, but the retail stores I've always just wanted to be an expression of my design style output of me. Like they're extremely personal. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've mentioned, I've been very lucky to be able to work in myriad materials and to make a ton of stuff. And I, I kind of. I live in an, in an eclectic environment. Like my house is is very eclectic. It's things with all different colors, styles. The only thing they have in common is that I made them all. Right. Um, and so I I think that the retail stores, it's a challenge. I think that if people came in, they might get a feeling that they're in sort of a place with a singular voice. But I hope it they recognize that it's an eclectic voice mm-hmm. and. Like, I hope people come in and they're like, oh, this is cool. Like, they have somebody who made some pots. And then they obviously have somebody who's, like, a passionate um, sculptor in, in acrylic. And then somebody in this store has, you know, is a bench-made furniture aficionado. And then, oh, they must have found some extraordinary lighting designer. <laughs> um, you know, my, my goal would be that somebody comes into the stores and feels like they're in the presence of a collective of similar like-minded extraordinarily talented and creative people. Um, <laughs> really, it's all been you. But really, it's moi. Um, that's kind of what I want. I want it's like yeah. designed eclecticism. It's a feeling of sort of um, wonder and exploration and surprise and um, and content. <laughs> so there's content. a lot there, right? There's, they a, feel lot like there's a lot there. there. Yeah. I, yeah, it's funny. I 
there's a lot there. I'm a very, very minimalist designer. Like when I'm designing a product, I'm looking at it and thinking, how can I pair this back? What bells and whistles can I take away so that the essential message, the gesture is crystal clear and whatever I want that object to say is said in the most efficient way possible. I just happen to make a lot of minimalist objects. Mm-hmm. And I think the when I put them all together in a store environment, um, there's a lot going on because I want each object to be very communicative, right. minimal, but communicative. And so I hope that there's just a sort of overwhelming maelstrom of content when people come in um, and that it's, you know, I hope they can handle it, spend the energy <laughs> on decoding it, right. really look and um, engage with what I want to say. Because ultimately design is about communication and I just have a lot to say. That's kind of how I feel. I just feel like visually I have a lot to say. And what do you want to say to people? What's what's the message that you want to deliver from these products that you're that you're making? I guess I want to make things that are extremely memorable and that will stoke people's own sense of creativity. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm that, you know, I don't mean to sound terribly benevolent, but that is <laughs> I think back to my grandmother, the 96-year-old grandmother, the right. Goss never stops. She was an extremely <laughs> um, creative person, and her house was filled. Her house was filled with all kinds of incredible objects that she bought in her travels, and you know, it was from a Mexican craftswoman or a Danish painter or this, that, and the other. And she had all these objects that were very, very eccentric and mm-hmm. very creative and singular. And I would go around her house and look at everything and just be so inspired and excited and I think that my grandmother's house really my grandmother's possessions her her collections of stuff really inspired me to become creative and I think that that kind of sense of excitement that I got from um from her stuff is kind of what I hope to create in my own stuff you know I want to make kind of eccentric well-crafted stuff that I hope people will look at and understand that somebody was, you know, there was an author who was really trying to express something. Right, right. And do people tend to buy, do people want the whole sort of Jonathan Adler look? Or, I mean, do people come and they're and they're buying lighting or they're buying some of the fun furniture pieces? I mean, what do you find in the, in the um, stores? I mean, yes, yes, and yes. I think okay. that, I think... I've been very conscious to try to create stuff at a range of price points and a range of looks and mm-hmm. materials so that, of course, you can come in and um, and pick up a little Kelkashos or you can get the whole shebang. I think the, the funny thing is that because I try to design eclecticism, I would contend, and others might not agree with this, that one could go into my shop, get the entire Jonathan Adler look, right. and... Um, take it home, put it in their house, and their friends could come over and think, wow, what an eclectic um, and layered look these people have gotten, rather than just sort of a, you know, bland kind yeah. of thing. You know, yeah. I think that I think that one's home should be very, very personal, and um, I hope to just make it easy for people to feel like they have a very personal home, even though it's all from me, me, me. <laughs> well, and it looks and feels very Jonathan Adler, right? I mean, well, I think yeah, that you've got I a mean, very distinct look, and if people start bringing in a bunch of your pieces, that, I would right? Say, I would actually say yes and no. Like, 
it's funny. I just um, my house was just shot yesterday, and the photographer was like kind of looking around, and she was like, "Oh, like these are cool. These um, acrylic pills. Like, where'd you get those?" And I was like, "Oh, I made those." And then she said, and "What about this weird cabinet that's like has this hammered brass front and this kind of organic modern?" thing and the oak frame I was like oh I made that and she said oh okay what about the um you know the glass lamp so there's so many different materials and you're like yeah made that I'm like made "Made it made it made it made it made (laughs) it but that's you know it's more reflection of the fact that I think there are there's so much I want to say and in the current era of global sourcing and information stuff there's so many opportunities to make stuff in so many different ways that I would be crazy not to take advantage of them. And right. as somebody who started out making pots, there couldn't be a more analog, basic, um, primitive way to be a creative person. It's just me and mud and a wheel. Um, to see my my world and my oeuvre um, expand from <laughs> from one material and just me to sort of all these materials is really a reflection of how much the world has changed uh, with globalism and globalization, the internet and technology. Um, I am, I am a lucky beneficiary of all that stuff. You know, I make stuff all over the world. I have so many different ways of communicating my ideas. I went from being just like a dude mud and potter's wheel to a dude with like the world at his fingertips. And who's helping you with all of that? How Absolutely you- nobody. I do everything myself. <laughs> I don't no, believe all- <laughs> you. So here's the deal. When you're in grade school and you're told that you mustn't cheat, you know, everything you do has to be your own. You mustn't take credit for anybody else's work. Um, nobody tells you that when you're grown up, the exact opposite is true. That if you're lucky, right. you can build a business or a career in which you have um, people working with you and doing everything and you get to take all the credit um and that's <laughs> right that's kind of you know what i've been i've been lucky enough to build a life in which i can sit here talking to you about me 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 but the reality is that i have a team of brilliant like-minded creative people and we're really are a collective of people making and designing stuff right and so is that the, the, the fabulous fantasy factory? Yes. Is that where it's all the magic is happening? Yeah, I call my Soho design office the fantasy factory, which is a cheeky allusion to Warhol's factory. Sure. And I hope it is a place where we make fantasy, we create fantasies. That's kind of the idea. Okay, so it's like Wonka's chocolate factory it's in a way. Wonka, yeah, it's Wonka adjacent. Half okay. of it's super Wonka-y because... Um, like half of the floor is the kind of creative side and the other half is like the real business side and all right. the business people are like working away, keeping it real and making <laughs> it happen. And then we're all like a bunch of freaks over on the creative side, like making freaky shit and hoping somebody can sell it. So how big is your team now? Um, I guess we're probably around 50 or 60 in the corporate office. Wow. Okay. And then I've needless to say like a squillion others in, um, far-flung locales and all the retail stores got it okay and so the the group that's here the group that's down in in soho are they working on the interior design projects as well as the product development and and all the various partnerships and everything all of the above yes okay okay and so who are we partnering with these days who do we have (laughs) partnerships going on with are you still doing the creative director at at fisher price is that um no that was like a fun one-off kind of yeah one-off really fun experience and you know i'm i have a ton of different 
um, partnerships, and I wouldn't even know where to begin listing them. Right. Different right. categories. So there's a lot of brands that you're bringing joy to, and, and yeah, joy here, right? Yeah, that's one of the other one of the really other exciting things about my creative life and sort of the the creative world has been the move towards collaborations and partnerships. That's really become um, a key business model, I'd say, more than ever in the last like ten years. And I've certainly been involved in that. I partner with tons of different companies. Um, to make stuff and collaborate and more. And what do you look for when you look at partnerships? I mean, obviously a lot of people come to you and want to partner with you. What's your what's your screening for that? What are you looking for in a partner? I mean, I kind of, when, when the right company comes around, it just kind of tingles my chakras and I know. Okay. I'm a very intuitive person. I, I say I'm, you know, I'm an analytical and brooding person, of course, but... I'm not a great planner. Like I don't, um, I don't have a business plan, and you know, I there are people, of course, in my team who do, but <laughs> luckily, I don't mean to sound. We're not that junior varsity. <laughs> like, like there's varsity, there's varsity players, but I'm a junior varsity thinker. So, right, um, okay, for me, it's really kind of like, a, you know, what feels right. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't do it that way, then like, what's the point? Creativity should be kind of magical and um, it shouldn't be too deductive. Okay. So are there, are there new partnerships that you want to tell us about? Something, something new that you're working on? I'm trying to think. There are a ton and you're okay. catching me on the spot and okay. Okay. my publicist will supply a list. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> we, we, look, we look forward to that. Uh, to no. be honest, I'm in the like while you're talking about this. My the whole time we've been talking about this, um, I've been thinking about the mugs that I need to throw um, because I'm working on a uh, collection of mugs inspired by the village people, and Fantastic. we're calling them yeah. So I'm like here talking about my stupid business, but right, really, you're my thinking brain, about the mugs. I'm thinking about the mugs, and what are you and calling I, them? Well, this is it. Are you are you sitting down? <laughs> I am sitting down. I had this is where I had a brilliant brainwave, and this is all like the business of the business of home is getting a scoop because right now wow. these mugs only exist in my mind. They don't wow. exist. Okay. All right. The mugs okay. that I'm talking about don't exist. They will exist they and will be exist. in stores probably in about six months. Okay. But I know what they're going to look like, and I need to get to the studio and throw them, and I'm going to do that after I leave here. But here's what I'm going to call them. Macho, macho mugs. Oh, right, right. At first, it I just thought macho so mugs, right. and I was like, something no. is missing. And then I thought, macho, macho so mugs. mugs. Yeah, macho, macho mugs. Totes feeling that. Yes. Glad to hear it. So yes. Congratulations. Well, That's big. Well, you guys can judge me because, as I mentioned, these mugs I'm talking about as if they exist are in my brain at the moment stay tuned we're gonna get to see what they become yeah i hope they become something good and now so are you making them for someone specifically the macho macho mugs (laughs) that's fine i have (laughs) it's so ridiculous i have this pottery collection i call it the utopia collection that's kind of a an ever-changing world of um pots and mugs and teapots and vases and stuff that um have faces on them or animals and I've done different kind of themes like I did this really nifty group of hair mugs because I always love hair as a source of inspiration perhaps right. because I wasn't blessed with magical <laughs> hair um, so we did like an afro mug and we did a mullet and we did a flock of seagulls um, and 
so that was a collection. We once did a circus collection um, where it was like, you know, a juggler and acrobat. And actually there was a half man, half woman um, vase that I did. And it was very ahead of its time, as it turns <laughs> out. Okay. Um, <laughs> toying with gender fluidity. Um, and so, yeah, different, you know, the, the Utopia collection has been sort of a um, platform to address different concepts and themes. I just did a collection called Icon Mugs that are inspired by um, iconic eyewear. So there's like a mug that is um, half Kanye, half run DMC. There's like a, um, <laughs> there's fantastic. a, the strangest one has Lolita because she has those iconic eye um, heart-shaped glasses on one side and Bootsy Collins who has the uh, star-shaped glasses on the other side. So the mugs are always two-faced. Okay. And um, yeah, so I think the macho macho mugs will be two-faced. It'll probably be like Cowboy and Indian, um, Cop and Soldier, and I reckon Construction, Worker, and Leather Daddy. Right. Wow. That's what I'm thinking about the Macho Macho Mugs. Again, it seems ridiculous because, you know, at the moment they're but an idea, but we shall, you know, stay tuned. They are going to come to life. Yeah, I hope so. I think the world has a Macho Macho Mug-shaped space waiting to be filled. Right, they're, they're looking to somebody like you to fill that that void. Yeah, right? and then they'll realize, like, oh, right, that needed to happen. Yes, that's what I think. Exactly. But again, that takes Ariana Grande style thinking, <laughs> and then um, the next six months of my life will be spent torturing them into um, existence and making them seem completely insouciant. Yes, they'll it will just happen. Yeah, they'll but just re- have happened. Hashtag. Yes. Um, 12 more wrinkles on my poor face. <laughs> well, so talk to me about the things that have given you wrinkles on your poor face because I, I feel like so many people <laughs> want to hear what would you tell people today that, that you learned along the way? What would you share with people who, who wanted to take their creativity and try and build the kind of business that, that you've built? All right, so this is where I'm going to be what I'm not supposed to be. What okay. I'm supposed to be at a moment like this is an Oprah-esque figure exhorting people to follow their dreams and read the secret and believe that it'll all work out. And if you, you know, you have to really stick with it and it's going to happen. That's what I should say. But that I feel something darker is something coming. Something darker is um, coming. So stay tuned. <laughs> yes. No, I, you know, I wish I could be just a, a an avuncular and, um, positive presence like that but I feel like I would be lying because the truth is that it's very 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 challenging to have a successful business of one's own in design you know and in as much as I've I've had some success it's largely due to luck Um, that's really true I would say it's 99% 99% luck, and I think any um, successful person would say that, or mm-hmm. should say that, if they're being honest. Um, and so I think that you shouldn't think that you can a- achieve a unicorn um, lifestyle, because most people can't. It's, right. it's very challenging and frustrating. Okay. However, the part of me that I would say, the avuncular positive part, would say that one can certainly have a thriving career in design. One can get a job, an entry-level job, 
and just work really hard and make yourself indispensable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's definitely attainable. Like I have my head of my design department is this girl who's girl. She's, you know, a woman um, <laughs> who's been with me for 10 years. And she was a failed actress who came to me as an intern, spent like a week in my office and thought, oh, this place is great. I'm going to make myself indispensable. And she did. She just became an animal. She's right. um grown to this well compensated and well <laughs> you know well you know well you know a very fulfilling right. and hectic and um stressful and challenging life but she made herself indispensable and has i would say she's a huge success in that she has a creative life and so i think that that kind of a story is attainable i think you can okay. get start with an entry level job anywhere and just make yourself indispensable and that can happen in terms of having your own business it's very hard it's very hard yes and the hardest part is is what oh my god i don't know where to begin well anywhere you want um i mean you really seem like you want to tell people that it is it is much more challenging than it appears so what are those challenges again i don't want to be like discouraging i just want to be realistic i I just want to be realistic and say that um you know there's it takes a real confluence of factors. One needs to, like the baseline is that you need to be smart, talented, creative, personable, charismatic. Blah, you know, I'm not suggesting I'm any of these things, but that that should be the baseline. Okay. Smart, talented, creative, charismatic. Um, and then that's about 0.0001% of what's involved in actually making it work. The rest of it is financing and luck and resilience and stick-to-itiveness and you know it's a lot it's a it's a strange mix okay 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 i'm sorry i sound i'm supposed to be like all like no i'm telling our our listeners thought that you were just going to be this jolly figure showing (laughs) up sprinkling pixie dust and instead you are basically saying, don't do what I've done. Don't go like, into this design business. Get out while you can. I know. I'm all like, wah, wah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I spoke at some Brooklyn design thingy a few years ago. Yeah. And at the end of the design thingy, some guy came up to me and was like, oh, you were like more interesting and more real than I expected you to be. And I was like, okay, thanks. Um, I guess. I yeah. guess. Like, thank you. No, I said... All right. Well, I guess thank you, but just out of curiosity, like what what did you think I was going to be like? And he said, "Well, I just kind of thought you were just in it for the money." And I was like, "Dude, I'm a potter. Like, there's not a human being on earth who's ever said, um, I know, I I want to make some money. I'm going to become a potter. I am going to make things out of clay. That is a surefire ticket to wealth. Yeah, that's a surefire. T- <laughs> so, you know, I think my point is just that." I'm never what anybody thinks I am. Right. <laughs> Good, bad, or other. I'm always, um, I'm never what anybody thinks I am. So anybody who's thinking about me, which everyone should be all the time. All the time. Let's all reiterate the time, that. Should, I should time. be everybody's preoccupation. And if I'm not, ah. then I'm just like, wait, what are you thinking about? Exactly. Um, but whatever you think of me is probably false. <laughs> Keeping it 100. Because, right, because you're, you're much more complex than that. And as it turns out, so is so is having your own business. So is and, life. Right? I think so that's the thing. And I think that that's, you know, I guess that's probably if there's one message of this podcast is that, um, 
yeah, things are really like complicated and there's highs and lows and ups and downs and a lot of um, thought goes everything goes into everything. And I think for me, the again, the main takeaway has been, yes, there have been squillions of vicissitudes and strange occurrences and stuff. But I think and I have a, you know, my my mood can be up and down, but I, I hope the one thing that has remained steady is my creative output. And that's truly um, been the focus of my entire business and life. And I'm very fulfilled and grateful and kind of thrilled with all the stuff I've been able to make okay. and hope to make a ton more. That's my goal. Stay tuned. Right. Okay. So that's why you stay in it as, as challenging as it has been for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you, I would look. I'm also a very, very privileged person, so I would never say that anything's been challenging. Like okay. that would be disingenuous. But, okay. but yeah, you know, all the all the um, mishigas that I do go through, and as much as you know, it, I'm certainly not like a trauma surgeon or a soldier. Like it's right. not you know, I right. don't like those death, challenges yeah, at you. all. However, okay. However, the stuff the the business challenges I do go through are all in the service of being able to make macho macho mugs. <laughs> Yes, because you really just want to be creative. and, and I just want right? to make macho, macho mugs. <laughs> I want to be able to, like, wake up and think I need to make some macho, macho mugs and then have a business, a um, team of collaborators, uh, resources to make macho, 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 macho mugs macho and mugs. make them as good as they can possibly be. Yeah. I, I think they're getting better by the minute. I, I think, know. Right? And yet they don't <laughs> exist. They're just in my little brain. Like, again, stay tuned. But I feel like the more you say macho, macho mugs, like the farther along they're getting. And they're yeah. Re- right? They're really there's, coming I to think life. There's, I think there's an inevitability, and I think we all know it. I, I do, too. No, this I, is, it is happening. Yeah. It's no, happening. Th- this really is, and it's exciting. Okay, let's <laughs> let's leave this. I mean, be, besides, obviously, the huge excitement about macho, macho yeah, mugs. Yeah, I mean, I think all of America's wrapped up and macho pretty, macho mugs. Pretty excited about yeah, it. They are totally. gonna they are gonna forget all of their cares and woes about the political climate, and they're just gonna focus on macho macho mugs. I I, I think I once think this so. comes out, I I'm think a that's... little bit worried that the podcast is gonna come out. The macho macho mugs won't be in store for about six months, and all of America will come screeching to a halt. Yes, whilst waiting. Well, exactly. The, yeah. Yeah. I'm worried. I don't want to that drag down the... could lead to the next recession. That's yes. what could tip, right? That could <laughs> yeah, tip the I, scale. You know what? I got to get to my studio and make those fucking mugs. Could you, and could it not take six months, No, please? you know Does what? I'm going to like, I'm going to drop everything. Okay. I'm going to tell my workshop to stop and just go into heavy production on macho macho mugs. Right. That don't currently exist. Yes. Except for in my mind's eye. Right. But I mean, they, but they know the village people, so they can get the idea, right, of what macho yeah. macho mugs might become. Yeah, that should be enough for them to go on right yeah. now. Yeah, you know, what? It, you might want to hold on to this podcast for six months until the <laughs> mugs are in store, just to <laughs> save our country. Not, should we not air it until you're Don't, ready? No, no, it's not fair to no. our country and our, na- and our wow. national economy. Well, I, I I am really worried. This could, this could tip the scales. This mm-hmm. could lead to the recession. Is everyone just waiting for the mugs? Okay, let's end on on a, on a high note here and tell <laughs> us what you're what you're most proud of that you've that you've done because you've you've done so many great projects and 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 really fun projects. I I mean, is there is there one thing that you're that you're so thrilled you got to got to do or that you for you is just the, the pinnacle of this creative work that you've done your whole career? Oh my God! Um, I I have been so lucky. I've done you know from things like the Parker, Palm Springs Hotel to 
to the products I've made. There's been so many things that I've made and that I love, but, and I, like, I, I'm very lucky. I like was sitting in my house yesterday, kind of looking around and being like, wow, that's so cool. Like this stuff is all really good and as good as it should be and could be. And yes, but I'm always most excited about whatever I am making next. Okay. So Mummy doesn't rest on her laurels. She's looking right. ahead. Okay. So you're so you're proud of many things that you've done. Proud but of many you're things, always, but you have hungry. your eye on what is what is next. And 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 now house, what what do you want now house to become? This partnership with Amazon, what what does winning look like with this partnership for you? Winning looks winning the blah, the now house brand looks like a win if I end up creating an entire world in which you can furnish your entire house and life now now make it look chic trendy timeless affordable and fresh fresh af fresh af and photogenic af it's super photogenic which is ever more important in the instagram age and and everything from from now house can can come to you right away everything can be now yeah like your sofa will be dropped on your head by a drone (laughs) Just, which Watch is out, incoming. Where it's all going. <laughs> yes, and just wait till Amazon gets to Long Island City. Yes. I mean, it's going to be right Then here. before you even, like when, it'll, like when Amazon's in Long Island City, I'll think about a macho mug. It won't exist, but it'll suddenly hit me Boom. because a drone will just have like catapulted into my head. Yeah, yeah. That's where we're looking in the future. Does the partnership with Amazon, does it, does it, does it change your business fundamentally? Or is it an, just another sort of partnership for you? Is that just another extension for you? Or, or Nothing's now, just another extension. No, I'm passionate about no, I'm everything. I'm passionate about them all. I'm truly passionate about them all. <laughs> but no, Amazon's like, it's thrilling and exciting. Yes, and of course it is. It's, it's huge. Yes, yeah, amazing. And um, no, it's great. It's I hope everything's transformative. You know, And, it, and it's way. open-ended, right? So this, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? this could become as big as it becomes, right? Yes. The market will, will tell us. The market will tell us right? that equilibrium, the market's equilibrium will win out. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the big thing that's coming, one more time, let's wrap up with it. Six months from now, what are we going to see? You're going to be clobbered over the head by a macho, macho mug dropped from a drone. That, that is really something to look forward to. <laughs> You're a, welcome. A drone drop of macho, macho mugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, Jonathan Adler, for joining us. This has been great. Thank you. Such a pledge. Peace. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. The show is Business of Home, and I'm Dennis Scully. If you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe, tell a friend about the show, and most of all, leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you again to our sponsor and our producers. You can find us at businessofhome.com or on Facebook or Instagram. We'll see you next week.